0: Welcome to the Book Smarts Business Podcast, conversations with business expert authors to learn about the author, their expertise, and to help you find your next read. And now, here's your host, best selling author and CEO of Influence Network Media, Jody Brandsetter. Lynn, welcome to the Book Smarts Business Podcast. I'm excited to hear about your book. Be vigilant, but before that, can you tell me a little bit about you and what you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. First of all, Jody, thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. I have had a long and windy career. Like I started out in uh, in consulting, and then I got into brand marketing with Nabisco and Coca Cola and Campbell Soup, and then I became an entrepreneur and and have been running uh, my Brand Manage Camp uh, Marketing Conference for the last 19 years. And then I became a police officer and I do that for free. And now I'm an author. And now I've taken everything that I've ever done. And and it all kind of came together into this book, Be Vigilant.
0: I was reading your bio and I saw your career and I did see the volunteer deputy sheriff is that correct?
1: Yeah, sheriff's deputy, deputy, sheriff's sheriff, deputy sheriff.
0: And I was curious about that. So I before we can like dive into the book, I need to know what inspired you to volunteer in that way and and you know kind of what you've learned about society.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So back in 2015, I was looking for a way to kind of give back to the community and and be involved in the community. My wife is really heavily involved in Girl Scouts and that's been a, you know, a huge thing for her with not only with our daughters, but just outside of that and with everybody else. And I was looking for something. And this kind of came up, this opportunity to become a reserve sheriff's deputy uh, with the Douglas County Sheriff's Office. And, and it was like, man, this is something that I could really get behind. It's not like I always wanted to be a cop or anything like that. It just it all kind of came together. It was also during a time period. Obviously, we've been having a lot of strife around community and policing and all that over the last year and a half or, or whatever. But, you know, this was back you know, when uh, Ferguson was taken. Taking place and all. And so, a lot of similar themes and things going on. And I just decided I wanted to be part of a solution instead of just someone who whines about problems. And so, the best way I could see to be part of that solution was to just, you know, get into it and become a great cop and, and work, uh, you know, out there and help people. And so, that, that's really what it was all about. And I've, I've I mean, I've learned so much. It's unbelievable. It's really, it taught me what I needed to know in order to write this book.
0: I noticed that when I was reading the summary about the book, you kind of put that into, you know, the part of the learnings is from, you know, becoming a cop. And, and so you kind of told me now why you decided to become a sheriff deputy. So tell me now, what was it about a book and wanting to become an author?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I've been working with authors, you know, uh, Carla Johnson, and we've had so many people uh, at the Brand Managed Camp Conference who are best-selling business authors. And so I've been working with authors for the last 19 years. And I always thought I would write a book, but I never had an idea good enough, really. And so it was kind of in the back of my mind. But when I started in, you know, the very first day of Police Academy, I started seeing that where I I thought the police thing was going to be very different from all my other experiences, I started seeing overlap. And I started seeing things that I was learning that I could apply back to business, to marketing, to life. And the first thing that I that really hit home was this idea that complacency kills. And we learn it every day. We learn about how the fact that most of the time things go right in law enforcement and very small percentage of the times they go wrong, but you can get lulled into this self-confidence or false confidence or overconfidence, right? And I said, well, man, complacency doesn't just kill in law enforcement. It kills businesses. It kills brands. It kills organizations. It kills personal relationships. And I really started getting passionate about learning about what is complacency, what drives it, and how do we fight it every day in law enforcement? And what are, what are the linkages back to what we can do in life? And that was really the idea for the book.
0: That's really interesting. As a business owner, I can sometimes see myself maybe going numb to some of my processes, mm-hmm. procedures, maybe even to a client. if I've been working with them for you know so much time. So I can see how that could cause issues. If you had to sum up your book, did a little bit of that in that kind of question. But if you could sum up your book in a couple sentences, what would you say it's about?
1: Well, at, at its heart, my book is about providing organizations and people with the strategies they need to protect the success that they've worked so hard to achieve. So if you think about it, we spend a lot of time learning how to be successful, working at how to be successful, striving for success. We don't spend a lot of time thinking about what do we do once we get there? And and, and it's really about how we define success too, right? You know, whether it's long-term success or everyday successes, right? It's so easy to fall into this sense of self-satisfaction or this sense of overconfidence, like I've said, that makes us unaware of the threats that are out there. And that's what complacency is. A lot of people think complacency is laziness, but it's not, it's not laziness. Complacency is when you become overconfident, you become biased by your past successes to believe the hype, to believe that everything you've done has been successful and that's why you're successful now. And you stop looking, you stop looking for danger, you stop looking for threats, you stop seeing them. And that's when complacency becomes dangerous.
0: What are like maybe one or two different ways that you overcome complexity within your own life?
1: Yeah, so in the book there are 10 specific things that I that I've learned that that you can apply right away. And so there's you know 10 separate chapters of each one, you know, covers a specific strategy in terms of how do you identify and fight complacency to improve your performance and safeguard your success. A couple of, of, of easy ones to, to talk about right now is, you know, number one is being threat aware. You know, one of the things I talk about is how difficult it is for people, you know, if, if any of your listeners or anybody that you know has law enforcement or military in their, in, their, in their family, you know, we are difficult people to go to restaurants with because we want to uh, sit in a place that doesn't make us vulnerable, right? And so we're always looking to be like, we don't want our backs to things. We we don't want to be facing, you know, with our back to our window, back to where, you know, people are coming from exits and entrances. And so, you know, we're very particular about where we like to sit. It doesn't mean we're paranoid or sit there hyper vigilant. It's just, you know, what we do is we set ourselves up to be threat aware so that things don't surprise us. And in organizations and in your family life, you have to do that too. You have to spend time thinking about where can the threat's Come from, And where can those, once we understand where the threats can come from, we can pre-plan how we might react to those threats, right? I say in the book that the worst time to figure out what you're going to do in a time of crisis is when you're in a crisis. And so we do a lot of, in law enforcement, we do a lot of scenario planning. We do a lot of like, what, you know, if this happens, what are we going to do? If that happens, what are we going to do? And we have them all worked out so that when the time comes, we can react and we can do what we need to do to solve those problems right but if you don't see those threats if you don't know where they can come from then they surprise you right and then that's when that's when bad things happen and so one of the things i talk about with people you know in in business is if i ask you who your top competitors are and you can very easily rattle off the two or three competitors that you spend all your time thinking about I start to wonder, maybe you're getting a little bit complacent, right? So you can get complacent thinking, being overconfident about knowing who your competition is, because the reality is there's someone else out there coming from a direction. And it might be it might be an individual, it might be an organization, it might be a government in terms of regulations, it might be climate, it might be whatever it is, environmental, whatever those things are. If you're not consciously always trying to look for where that new threat is coming from, you're going to put yourself at risk. So number one is threat awareness. It's something I talk a lot about in the book. Another one that's really super easy to do is, is debriefs. So we do a lot of debriefing in law enforcement, whether things go right or wrong, right? And this is the, that's the main distinction. So if you talk to people in business, you say, you know, do you guys debrief uh, You know, things? People will say, yeah, oh yeah, we debrief all the time. But the reality is you debrief when things go wrong, most likely. And what that turns into is where do we place the blame? And what I talk about in a book is there is so much to be learned from when things go right. And, and what I say is vigilance is questioning everything, even when everything goes right. Because sometimes things go right by accident. Sometimes things go right but they could have gone more right. You know, and sometimes things go right because your competition uh messed up or something happened, right? And so the more that you debrief and actively look for breaking down each mission and we can, you know, however you define your mission, whether whatever it is in your business or in your personal life, you have to break it down into missions and say, now that we're at the end of that mission, let's debrief it. And you have to do it, you know, and I, and I have eight or seven specific things that you can do to make a debrief more um, successful and more productive. But that's the second thing that, you know, that's a whole nother chapter is on briefing and debriefing.
0: I feel like you're talking about like SWOT analysis in some ways. And I think a lot of businesses may do that one time, and never do it again. <laughs> Whereas yeah. I think you're talking about maybe even doing SWOT analysis for each mission or each project or each product or each service to really understand how things might be trending. Because you might be able to look at your old SWOT analysis and say, we had no clue that this competitor was coming. Why right. not? Let's break that down. Like, how can we make sure we're being diligent on staying on top of not just the competitors we know, but like you said, the ones that might be coming that we're not expecting. But then, you know, you're also talking Talking about those strengths or those opportunities and debriefing on that as well, and and so I that was the first thing that came to my mind was SWOT, but maybe using it more often, maybe in more micro phases of a business than just like at the beginning or yeah. each year.
1: It, it'd be really strange if we don't, if like just by accident everything just needed to be looked at once a year, right? Like, but because it's because that's planning time right? It just doesn't make sense that, you know, to use a sports analogy, you want to be Tom Brady, right? You want to be Peyton Manning. These guys were famous or infamous, depending on who who you were, for no matter what happened that week before, scouring through the game film, looking for you know, they just won their 12th game in a row, right? Or whatever, but they're still looking for what could we have done better? Where could it have gone wrong? Like, what can we continually improve upon? And that, that's the attitude that you want to have, right? But it's, it's hard to have that attitude, right? That is not a normal attitude. Most of us, you know, we have some success and we like to rest and we like to take it easy. We like to kind of ride that success and be like, Hey, you know, I ain't if it ain't broke, I ain't, ain't fixing it. And that's a problem, right? Because Things may appear not to be broken, but when you're not giving it the attention it deserves, you're missing out on things that are maybe were broken or in the process of breaking or are getting strained. You know what I mean? So that's where debriefing and and having a very disciplined process for debriefing can help you find those things and improve upon them before your competition finds them before they become vulnerabilities.
0: That even reminds me of iteration too. So I use design thinking Uh, Methodology with what I do and iterations—that exact same thing. You never let something just go stagnant. You're Mm -hmm. always looking at it, trying to get feedback, trying to see how can we tweak it, how can we fix it, because again, you never know what's going to be happening in the future. And I feel like
1: hard times make us become introspective, right? You don't, you don't find a lot of, even in good times, you don't find a lot of, you know, bootstrapping startups that are complacent, right? You don't find a lot of people like working out of their garage, maxing out their credit cards, getting complacent. What you find is when things get comfortable, you get complacent. The reality is, and and I talk about it in a book, is that, you know, it is, we are programmed to become comfortable very easily. And we can see it in COVID. We can see it in everything. Things get hard. Things get tough. We buckle down, we question things, and then things get easier and we get complacent again, right? Because complacent is, you know, I hate talking about it this way because of the virus of COVID and all that, but complacency is a virus, right? It is always within us just waiting for the, we can beat it down, but then given the opportunity, it will rear its ugly head again, right? So we can never fully get rid of it. That's why you have to fight it with vigilance, right? You don't fight it with paranoia. It's not about being hyper vigilant and crazy and like, you know, looking over your shoulder all the time, but it's about being vigilant. So we have to remain aware even when things, and things will get easier. It doesn't seem like it right now. Things will eventually get easier. And that's when the true danger of complacency comes
0: back self-awareness, the, the awareness of what could happen and then being ready to take it on in full you know full force to make sure you're doing whatever you can to kind of eliminate that threat and prove that scenario or, or whatever is going on. So writing your book, I'm sure yes. that was an interesting process. Did you see yourself potentially needing to be self-aware or to use some of these tactics while you were writing about it?
1: Oh, absolutely every day I find myself, you know, slipping back into it. it it's a, it, it, you know, and I, and I saw it in my, in, in my own business. I mean, we got caught by surprise with COVID. I mean, I'm in, a, I was in the live event business, right. Producing conferences. So that, I mean, I got shut down like, you know, overnight, right. All of a sudden, like people were not flying, people were not going anywhere. And we had to pivot and we had to pivot hard because we didn't have a plan in place right because we had gotten complacent um, and didn't see where the threats could come from and, and that danger could come from so yeah in, in writing that book it, it definitely makes me aware you know one of the things I talk about in the book is reminders and the importance of reminders and one of the things that I do I have a uh, just a simple wristband and on the wristband it says be vigilant and so I every time I feel that with my hand or I look down on it it makes me think what am I doing right now? where, where, where's, where's my vulnerability and, you know, what do I need to be thinking of? So even, even having written this book, I am aware of the fact that it's very easy for me to slip into complacency. I, I saw myself in my book all the time in, and my own experiences. And, uh, and I also found writing a book to be uh, very difficult. I have a newfound res- respect for all the people I've worked with over the years who have written more than one. I don't, I don't know if I've got two in me, <laughs>
0: Now, I know that your book's coming out in October. So I think it I think I saw October 14th. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, so it's currently available for pre-order, but it uh, you know, the official ship date is October 14th. Okay.
0: What are some successes you want to see once once it hits the books shelf?
1: Yeah, I, no, I I certainly have goals. I'm not going to I don't think I'm going to put a public stake in the ground in terms of numbers or anything like that, but you know, what I would love to, you know, my whole mission here is to give people and organizations the tools they need to, to safeguard their success. You know, I'd love to get the book in as many hands as possible. And, and really, you know, my goal is, is I love speaking. So I, I, I'm really, you know, looking to, you know, hopefully the book will open the door to be able to, you know, help get out there and talk to organizations and groups and, you know, help them really take those tools within the book and apply them to their, to their own situations.
0: I think that becoming an author and having goals to speak or or set, they go hand in hand. I think if you're going to do a nonfiction business book, you have to look at a book and, and see all these other potentials of how to repurpose that content. I want people to be able to find this book. How can someone get your book and how would you like them to connect with you?
1: You can order the book right now on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Apple Books. You know the easiest way, if, if you if you're not sure where you want to buy it, is just go to bevigilantbook.com. And if you go there, you know you'll have links to wherever you can buy it. And to connect with me, connect with you can connect with me there or at lenherstein.com or just on
0: LinkedIn. Okay. I will put all that information into the notes for the podcast. It's been amazing getting to speak to you, to learn about your book, but also just to learn from you. So thank you so much for being a part of the Booksmarts Business Podcast.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me here. It's been an absolute pleasure and I love chatting with you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Book Smarts Business Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show and share this episode with a friend. In the meantime, join our business author community where you can connect with other business authors and learn about becoming an author at authors.influencenetworkmedia.com. Until next time.